Welcome to A Savored Life, a podcast that inspires you to live a more creatively fulfilling life with mindful writing, intuitive cooking, and creative inspiration at its heart. I'm Sumaya Osmani, your host, and I'm here to guide you on the path to a slower, more savored life. Each episode is filled with creative expression, freeing our preconceived ideas that hold us back from fulfilling our true potential. And that begins by allowing ourselves to trust our instinct to achieve that creative fulfillment. This episode is a second in line of this month's theme, The Aspiring Author. I know that many of my podcast listeners are writers who dream of publication, just like myself many years ago, who hope for a creatively fulfilling career as an author. But you don't know where to start the journey to publication. And the ultimate dream for many writers is publication. So for me, I knew that I always wanted to have someone in my corner. Someone who believed in my voice as a writer, but also someone who had the skill set to help me forge a career in writing. A literary agent for me was always my first step towards publication, but it wasn't easy to find one that I really truly connected with. I went through a couple before I got there. You see, this relationship is a really delicate but beautiful one. If it's the right match, then it truly is a match made in author heaven. And I'm so pleased to introduce our guest today. Now, our guest, Emily Sweet, is the founder and director of Emily Sweet Associates Literary Agency. Emily spent a decade working in publishing houses and finally established her own agency with the intention of enjoying creative freedom. Her focus is mainly on nonfiction, with a particular interest in food and drink books and specializes in nurturing new voices, highlighting those undiscovered cuisines and getting those stories out into the world. Emily is a wonderful literary agent and her personal love for food and her love for beautiful emotive words. And the most important part about that really sets her apart is her positive nurturing support for writers. Now I know this because she happens to be my agent and I have the honor of being represented by her. Hi, Emily, welcome to A Savored Life. Hi, Samaya. Great to be here. (laughs) I'm so glad you joined us today. Now, we're going to start by really understanding what brought you to where you are today. So from publishing houses, how did you decide that literary agency work was really or being a literary agent was really what you wanted to do? (laughs) Well, it's kind of a funny question because um, I wouldn't say that there was a a, a planned path. It's something that came about quite organically. As you say, uh, I spent about a decade working in publishing houses, um, medium and large ones, as well as working freelance. So I had quite a broad sort of understanding of how the different ones worked. Um, And it was during a period when I left publishing and was working freelance, doing a lot of editing, that I began to see opportunities um, that I felt... uh, were not being exploited um, and with the realization that actually there was no limit on who could take on these projects um, I decided to start doing that myself (laughs) Um, so uh, without actually having firmly set up the agency I approached a couple of potential authors both in the area of food which I should say um, 
is an important area for me for a number of reasons, but not least because that's very much my background. Um, I've spent a lot of time working in the hospitality industry. Um, my partner was a chef when I met him and still is works in food. So it's, it's a significant <laughs> strand of my life. Um, and so, yes, and so with some early successes um, in trying to negotiate book deals, um, for these people that I found, I decided it was time to throw in my lot wholeheartedly. And that's when I properly, formally established the agency. That's brilliant. So really, food is one of those things that really is your, is what grips you. And, it, and it, as you said, it's really interwoven into your personal life as well. So food writing is that first sort of attraction for you as, as an agent as well, is that sort of, I know you represent some nonfiction writers generally, but yeah. uh, you do have a really strong personal connection to you. So now, as an agent, you know, the, everyone's so scared of, you know, thinking about getting a literary agent, but really literary agents are looking for beautiful writing and things that really catch their attention. So I'd yeah. love to know for you personally, what is it, what is a couple of things that really grab you and you know this is something that you want to find out more about? Mm, well, first of all, I, I'm going to go off track <laughs> of here, simply because... The first thing you said uh, uh, was something that I hear a lot. Um, we use the word fear in mm -hmm. relation to literary agents. <laughs> um, also, you know, this was a, a significant motivating factor for me in terms of doing what I do. Um, traditionally, literary agents, uh, you have, have long had a reputation of being sort of the fearful, sometimes bombastic gatekeepers of this yeah. whole world of publishing. Um, and I decided that, you know, there was more, one, more than one way to go about doing this work. Um, I'm glad to say I think the landscape has changed a lot and is continuing to change. But it does bother me that there are still a lot of writers and potential authors um, who find this world of agents and publishing daunting and I understand why that is um, but I think that we need to be doing absolutely everything we can to break that down um, and it, that's very much a focus of what I do as an agent to try to be approachable mm -hmm. to try and give honest and consistent feedback um, and to to keep the communication open um mm -hmm. to dis demystify the whole world um and you know not create some kind of hierarchical relationship between author agent and publisher um so that said in terms of the writing it's a very very difficult question to <laughs> I <answer>. know <laughs> I have to admit um because on the one hand I would say as a reader I enjoy a level of straightforwardness mm -hmm. in my prose. Um, if there's one thing that I very much don't enjoy, it's overwritten prose. But it's difficult to interpret that because actually, if you look at the range of my authors and read their writing, you will see that they, they range from the very uh, minimal to extremely lyrical. But for me, what unites them is that there's there's never a word out of place uh -huh. in their writing um, 
whether it be the, the longer form or the shorter form, um, it's about the use of that language. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is ultimately it. Uh, one of the things that I think most writer, writers are you know, guilty of is trying to attract attention by verbose sentences and overwritten mm-hmm. emotions when things said simply are always authentic and real and come from a real place and anyone who would read them would first identify with it which anyway Mm -hmm. it attracts your attention and secondly you can tell this person is being themselves and not trying to be somebody else and I think that is the first thing that you need to do and a lot of people struggle with that I think that it was really good that you caught that point about the fear because I think that all the all the writers that I know have a real fear of Uh, going to an agent or wondering whether that relationship with an agent is an important one or whether they should go, you know, throw themselves deep into self-publication and not bother with traditional publication because they think it's just too much of a difficult world to get into. And I think that, you know, brings me to the question, why should an agent pursue the you know, the search for the right agent? And and what would be your advice to a writer who is contemplating publication, but doesn't know where to start because of this fear and this being unsure about whether it's actually worth it? Mm. Um, I would say, uh, yes, going back, this sort of ties in with what you said about um, authenticity in the writing. Um, Now, Authenticity is a great word. It's often overused. Yeah. Um, but um, it's absolutely true um, what you say uh, that, you know, you absolutely have to be yourself. As an example, um, you know, I have an excellent client who I shall not name, <laughs> who for a long time struggled to find their voice. And I knew the voice was there. I could sense it trying to come out. But we toed and froed for a long time. And it was very clear that this person was sort of trying to, trying on sort of the the clothes of various inspirational figures um, that sort of were were in that area. And I could see them trying to do this and I understood why they were trying to do it. But I had to keep batting it back to them and saying, just relax, (laughs) be you, be you, let your voice come through. And it took a while, but when they did, it was extraordinary, um, and you know, the response to their work um, was fantastic. Um, but it took such a long time to get there, and it was, it was a real leap of faith for them, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so very, very important. Um, but then, in terms of authors um, considering looking for agents and looking for route to publication. I think the first thing to say is that if you are looking for any kind of traditional publication as opposed to self-publishing, um, having an agent is more or less vital. Um, the exceptions will be that th- there are a number of people working, especially in the food space, um, who obviously have built up significant social media profiles. Um, and sometimes they are approached directly or make direct approaches to publishers and will negotiate their own deals. Um, and that's great. That's fine. The only thing I would say is that a uh, book contract is 
quite a tricky thing to get your head around if you've never mm-hmm. worked with one before. Um, so I would always recommend seeking advice of some kind um, if you were to do that. Um, Ideally, obviously, an, an agent knows the ins and outs. Uh, a lawyer could do some of the work for you, but they wouldn't necessarily know what the sort of standard parameters of such a contract might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to choosing an agent, uh, I think it pays to really, really do your homework. Um, and that's both a combination of researching um, the, the available options, um, the key resource for that being the Writers and Artists Yearbook, which yeah. is both a physical and an online publication, um, which offers a directory and brief descriptions of the various kind of agencies in the UK and Ireland. Um, the second thing, when I say do your homework, is it's about taking a long, hard look at yourself and what you want um, out of this relationship, because agencies vary enormously. There are very large established agencies, there are medium ones, and then there are small ones like mine. Um, And they all have different strengths and different weaknesses. And it really depends on what your motivations are, whether you are driven by wanting to get the biggest deal possible, whether you are somebody that's motivated by being on a list with lots of other big names, Um, whether you feel it's important to you to have many departments within an agency. So perhaps, you know, a merchandising department, um, film, TV, broadcast, all that kind of thing. Um, There's a lot of work that goes in. And then if you're in a fortunate position where you have any friends or acquaintances who are writers and have experience of being agented, it's always great to speak to those people, ask advice. And even if they're people that you don't know, even if they're people that you're possibly vaguely connected with um, in real life or on social media, many people are very amenable to having quite an open conversation um, about their own experiences. And it's really worth asking. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's it. You must ask, exhaust every possibility, because sometimes we always, we, you know, somehow we protect ourselves from being told, I can't be, you know, someone turning around and saying, can't be bothered, don't have the time to tell you anything, because most people are helpful. And I have, I've noticed that there is nobody out there who would just point blank say no, they might say, you know, sorry, can't, you know, don't have the time, but they'll never say no, I won't help you because everybody knows, especially authors and creators know that you have to start at the beginning it's not something that just comes to you you know on a golden platter very 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 rare um, and, and I think most people are always willing to help so you never know how many potential people could actually help you find the right path towards the right literary agent mm. so that's very true and, yeah. and and one of the things that I really feel like I, I meet a lot of people who say to me many writers who want to be published and they say oh, uh, you know, we don't have enough followers on social media, we don't have a huge uh, following generally as a writer, where, you know, who would look at our work? Is that is that true? Is that what the market has become, that we have become a bit scared because of not having, you know, if we don't have the right sort of voice in, in social media, we won't get rep- represented. Is that true or false in your 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the fence a little here, but I'll try to explain. Why. Please. <laughs> um, uh, platforms, social media are hugely important, um, especially when it comes to uh, food and nonfiction to a broader degree, more generally. Um, it applies less so in fiction, um, simply because um, there's a suggestion that if you're going to work in an area and become something of a specialist, which is what nonfiction essentially is, um, then you should really be quite active mm -hmm. in that area. Um, as a food writer, that might be posting pictures and recipes of food. Um, if you are more at the writing on the writing side of that, then it would mean interaction. I'm thinking of somebody like B. Wilson, for mm -hmm. example, um, who's very active in the more sort of journalistic and scholarly sphere. Yeah. Um, so it is important, but it's not the be all and end all. There, there is still space, um, I feel, and I know uh, due to experience with various clients, for the right stories and the right recipes in the case of cookbook writing um, to be told by people who don't obviously have the biggest platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, what helps those people is a, is a level of connectivity. Um, so if, for example, they have a few thousand followers on social media, often it's about the quality rather than the quantity um, and, and what potential editors can see in terms of what they might be able to do with that. Um, but ultimately, there is still a place for incredible stories beautifully told. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, stories, as long as we're all alive on this planet, stories and people wanting to listen to them, that will never end. And I think it's, it's that ability to find the stories that will really touch hearts and, and people's lives. And those stories are the ones that will always live. And it's just a way of telling them from that really real space within you. So I think you're very right. And that's, it's really quite fortifying to know that, that there will always be room for good stories. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I think a lot of people are scared about is how to write that perfect book proposal, because ultimately, even to engage an agent, you do need to have a body of your know, marketing body that will actually present that you can present to an agent that would look at it and look at potential for a book and, and whether this person has the voice and, and the platform. And also, how does this book that they're trying to sell a will how will it will stand before publishing houses in the climate that we're in now what do you feel makes that sort of thing makes a good proposal coming from a prospective author this is interesting proposals um from people who have become clients of mine they vary to a great degree um the most obvious um contrast is between the people who I proactively approach, which as an agent I do quite frequently, mm -hmm. um, and people who come to me. Because of in the former case, um, people, people do sometimes have proposals that they've already started working on that they were thinking of trying to approach people with. But on the whole, if, if I make an approach to somebody, then we will work on 
building the proposal together. Mm -hmm. uh, so a large part of what I do is collaborating uh, to help build an idea up from the ground. Um, and it's a part of my job that I very much enjoy. Um, and then when I am approached by people, it very much varies. So some people are amazing in terms <laughs> of what they do. Um, and what's interesting is that there's no set pattern as to what kind of author will produce what kind of proposal. Um, so some people are hugely proactive and they've already done all the work, uh, not just in terms of the writing of the book, but considering the marketing, all the questions that any acquiring editor or their sales or marketing or publicity teams uh, will ask, which is a very, very important part of a publisher acquiring a book for publication. Um, so when that happens, that's wonderful. And then we have a, quite a brief sort of conversation and series of to and fro's before we get it into good shape. Mm -hmm. It does also happen that uh, sometimes it's quite a sort of uh, a, an idea that's been sketched out in quite a limited fashion but that clearly has a hook mm -hmm. um, that then I need to help the author work on. So in terms of what it is, I think you have to think very carefully. Um, the, the three main things that I need to be convinced of, that also publishers need to be convinced of, is what is the book? That why do we need this book? And why are you the person to write this book? Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who have ideas for what would doubtless be really interesting books, but you absolutely have to think about the market uh -huh. and who is going to want to read this book. Um, and not only that, but how it's going to cut through. And so the basic starting point is that your story needs to feel urgent and unique. Absolutely. And I think those those two words are so key, urgent and unique. And there are and I suppose that brings us to the sort of idea that would books are books always books that are trends or books that can be everlasting? Is there room? I mean, I know we've said there's room for really good voices, but is there room for books that aren't hitting your trend or market, but are books that have an everlasting, eternal presence um, in human life. Is there always going to be space for those kind of books? So if anyone is thinking of a book that is, you know, something about healthcare or, you know, say something to do with mindfulness, is there room for more books like that or marketing or, you know, something like that? Is, is there always going to be room for that or do we come to a point where certain markets become completely exhausted and it's time to think of a new idea? Um, yeah, interesting question. Um, I think that the trends and markets are two different things. Mm -hmm. um, there are definitely trends that, you know, in areas that become more or less saturated um, and then the interest does not necessarily die away but moves on. Um, so it's always possible to find new routes into those heavily saturated areas um, by, you know, coming up with a new angle on something. Yeah. But it gets harder and harder 
obviously the the busier those areas are so it's it's important to sort of think about again i i suppose it comes down to that idea of urgency yeah you know if there's a hugely saturated market can your book really feel urgent within that um and then i think you you know the answer yeah. from that the flip side of that in terms of the the evergreen um ideas um they are books that obviously they 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 might not be the most obvious sell to a publisher if they haven't if there's no hype surrounding them yeah um but these these can become the real sleepers but com- often getting them out there is the hard part in the same way that on the whole it's often the real genre defying books that are the ones that are the hardest to get published yeah. and yet once they are published they are the mold breakers <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's a really interesting point um now once you do get yourself an agent uh, a lot of people wonder what this relationship between an author and an agent is like and what it should be in terms of expectations so just sort of rounding off this episode i'd love people to have an idea of what that relationship looks like i think it depends obviously very much on the agent but it also depends on the author um speaking for myself i would say i'm fairly strongly led by what the author wants needs requires um so i have some authors who are really um very very self sufficient um get on with what they need to do and I check in every now and then and they'll say yep everything's fine and then I have other authors with whom I have a much more uh, hands-on relationship much more frequent contact Um, and I don't think that there's you know uh, one is not necessarily better than the other Mm -hmm. Um, I think authors often worry about feeling too needy um you know that's something that I hear quite often um and I think that you know that's rarely the case and I think that it's easy very easy to just in a very open um and friendly way make it clear where the line is Mm -hmm. um if you feel as an agent that you are not just hand holding but sort of dragging that person through the woods um you know if you have that open relationship then i think that's easily done um and equally you know if people are incredibly hands off then sometimes it pays to sort of lead them to be a little bit more open a little bit more reliant not necessarily um so it's very much it's something that I personally judge on a case-by-case basis, um, but always with the emphasis that there is an absolute open-door policy yeah. and that no question is too stupid to be asked. Um, I know from speaking to authors who are not my clients or authors who have become my clients that there's often a sense of not wanting to bother yeah, uh, my agent with something, um, which there may be cases where possibly it's not worth bothering. But again, I don't like the sense of 
fear that comes from that. Exactly. And I think this is something a lot of authors who do have representation say they're always afraid. And I think, you know, I think personally, it's really important for me to be able to talk to my agent, to be able to say this is how I feel or this is uh, this is a problem that I have. And I think that it's, it's a mutual relationship for, you know, something that both of the agent and the public, uh, the agent and the author both want. So I think that's what fundamentally one has to think. It is that you basically have the same goal and same aspirations for your mm. for your author and and the agent for the author. So I think that's that's sometimes people forget that because I think people yes. get so afraid of it goes back to that fear of the publishing world. But that's really helpful and that really is a wonderful way to look at the relationship uh, with your agent. That it is one of openness and honesty and and uh, honesty. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I will be very frank. Yeah. Um, if, if I think something's not working, um, then I won't pretend that it is. Yeah, <laughs> good. Yes, I think that's very important because you can't, I mean, at the end of the day, this is the business of writing and publication and you've got to be honest, otherwise it's just going to be leading someone up the wrong path. So I think that's very true. So before we end, I'd love to know if there's any interesting books or lovely authors that you're working or any exciting books coming out that you'd like to share with us that we should be looking out for that you are behind. Uh, We'd be very excited to know. Sure. Well, the difficulty of being an agent um, is that you always have exciting things on the horizon that (laughs) mostly you're not allowed to talk about. I know. The ones you can talk about. (laughs) But coming up, um, I I do have, um, yeah, I have some very exciting books, a couple coming out in March. Mm -hmm. Um, One is very much a cookbook um, by a tremendous author, Joe Woodhouse, Mm -hmm. who is the most incredible vegetarian cook um he is self-taught but has also worked as a chef in restaurants and joe you may actually know his name as a food photographer he's photographed numerous um Mm -hmm. cookery books um his work in vegetarian food um interesting because at the time that we were pitching his book the vegan and vegetarian market was fairly well saturated Mm -hmm. um but we really felt that Joe still had something to offer. And thankfully, his publisher, Car Books, also did. Um, and we're getting some great, uh, great f- early feedback um, from his recipes featured at the weekend in the Observer Food Monthly magazine and more to come in the Guardian magazine. And um, yeah, he's he's going to be a big one. Oh, watch good. out for him. I'm looking forward to his book. And we also have... Speaking of uh, the books that are tricky to get published because they're so original, um, that would be Genevieve Jenner's uh, collection of stories that's coming out on the 20th of March um, called Chocolate Cake for Imaginary Lives. Um, It's absolutely genre-defying. Is it fact? Is it fiction? Is it magical realism? It's a whole world of food writing, stories, incredibly creative and at times off the wall, (laughs) utterly entertaining um, and really moving and challenging. Um, They are coming out with a bold and brilliant independent press, Dexis Press. Um, So yeah, they're coming out in March and then later in the year we've got uh, a very exciting publication which um, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about (laughs) but... 
I will. I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Exciting. That sounds incredible. I mean, those two books just are totally off sort of up my street and in my wish list. I cannot wait to get both of those. Uh, I am so excited and I'm so glad you're behind those. Thank you, Emily. I really, I think this episode has been so eye-opening for so many aspiring authors that are desperate to find, you know, the right people behind them, the sort of, you know, get that fear factor away from their lives. So thank you so much for that. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Samaya. I hope this episode and this month's theme of the aspiring author has inspired you to take those first steps to get that book out into the world and see your creative dreams come true. If you're interested in exploring writing a cookbook proposal, then my online course Crafted Writing Your Cookbook Proposal in Four Weeks is out this summer. So do join that waitlist. The link is below this podcast. It will be you who will get to know first when any free launches or exciting things happen for Crafted. So do get on that list. Finally, I would love it if you could rate this podcast and review it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to if you have enjoyed it. This really helps me to get this podcast out there from others who can benefit from it. So until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Savoured Life with me, Sumaya. In the meantime, choose a slower life, a more savoured life.